the fireworks are shooting off of the stadium. I feel a slap on my back. And I look over and it's Goldust. And he's all in costume, you know, painted head to toe. And, and he's angry. And he looks at me and he goes, do you work here full time? And I'm stammering. I'm nervous. I'm like, um, I'm, I'm on contract. I'm not full time. And again, with colorful language that I'm, more than I'm going to share, he points at me and he says, if I ever see you again, I'm going to kill you. I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero. I'm a real life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. Oh, yes. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. Help others and get what you want. What do you think about that? Is that true? Hmm. Are you living a fulfilled life? Are you happy right where you're at? Content completely? Or are you thinking, you know what? I I haven't exactly lived yet. I'm not successful yet. These are some good questions, by the way. And we're going to be talking about each and every one of these things today in a show because I am finally bringing back interviews. I am so excited. Oh, yeah, let's rock it. Welcome to The Real Brian Show. I really appreciate you joining me here. My name is Real Brian. And like I said, bringing back interviews, it's been a while. We've got interviews coming twice a month on Mondays here on the audio podcast and on the YouTube channel. So make sure to check us out. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I've got, oh my gosh, to kick this interview series off. I've got a really, really fun interview. And I got to tell you, when I brought this guy on, I got to thinking, this is going to be fun. I've got some ideas of what I want to talk about, but I'm going to hit record and see what happens. I was not prepared for the conversation that we would have. And it is awesome. And I really, really hope that it's going to be incredibly encouraging for you. So let's get into this. I have a man by the name of Vincent Puglisi coming to you today. Now he's got a book coming out next week. He's done a lot. In fact, this guy has been a professional photographer for more than 23 years, and he has done some incredible stuff for big sporting events. For example, Super Bowl, World Series, NHL Finals, Kentucky Derby, WrestleMania, and so much more. But he gave it all up because he said, hey, I I, want to go coach people. I want to coach freelancers on how to live a life of financial freedom and time and life freedom. What does that even mean? Well, we're going to hear about that too. Why did he give it up? This is so cool because there's a really neat story behind that. So, My gosh, so much to tell, so many stories to tell, but he's also, and this is very important, he's married and he's a proud father of three boys because uh, that is what he's all about. So we're going to get into this conversation and I am so excited and I really, really hope that this is a massive encouragement to start your week right. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's rock it. Well, Vincent, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Appreciate it. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to have you here. We've, this has been kind of a long time coming. We've been talking and talking and then, all right, well, we had to redo some schedules and stuff like that. And then you know, here we are. I'm excited. So thank you for joining me. I'm thrilled to be here. I can't wait for this. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I gave a little synopsis in the, uh, the intro of the show, of course, but what I like to ask is tell us a little about yourself, but also tell us something that most people don't already know about you, which could be hard. Cause I know you're pretty open. Yeah. So it, it's such a hard question. Like, which way do you go? What people are so intrigued by, especially now as time goes on is that for two years, I was a photographer for the World Wrestling Federation back in the Attitude Era, mm. which if anybody's familiar with that, people kind of go, what was, and because what I'm finding out is now there's all these, 
you know, men and sometimes women coming into like mid thirties at this point that they grew up on that stuff. And to yeah. me, it was like part of my career. And now I'm getting all these questions about that it was a period of time that I almost forgot about that now was like rehashing because of YouTube that people are watching it and it's becoming, so like there's all these little pieces of our career and life that kind of come back to life again. So that's one little one that when people hear about that, they go, what, what was that like? And then we get into all, all crazy stories about it. When you're doing something like a book launch, you've devoted your entire attention to it, essentially, maybe not the entire, but most of it. And it's, it's intense. I mean, I've never done it myself, but I've, I've known a lot of people who have launched books and it's a process. So first of all, I guess I should ask this, is it worth it? <laughs> Would you do it again? Oh, yeah. oh it, it's one of those things when you look at the amount of hours you put into it, you go, no, it's not worth <laughs> it at all. Not, not at all. But when you, yeah. I don't think there's anything better to get your message out and to get the word out and to get just the conversation going than, than doing the book. And I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes to this. Like I write my book. I don't hire people to write my book. I'm a storyteller. I do a podcast. I, so if, if, if my name's on it, I wrote it. And so it's very personal to me. So it's something where I'm going to, I'm going to really obsess over the words. I'm going to obsess over the stories. This is, this is a moment in time for my life to be able to share. So I obviously put way more time into it than I should, but I don't know what I would be doing better with my time than that when it is such an important thing like a book. That's, that's my view on it. Yeah, that's neat. Well, I've had a chance to read a little bit of it. Uh, I haven't had it for very long though. And I appreciate it though so much, but I got to tell you though, that what I did read, I really liked. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, I like how you write, by the way, I was very impressed. A lot of people, they, they like to write around things, and they say, hey, we're going to get to that. And then they never really get to that. And then they just talk about things. And, and it's like, you just kind of dive right in. And it's like, oh, I love this. You know, and the stories grabbed me. The, it's like right here. here. Here's the nuggets right in, in, in the middle of the story or at the end of the story. You know, you don't wait for it. And I just thought, see, this is what we need more of. I, I really appreciate it the way you write. It's awesome. Oh, thank you. I, I think, you know, sometimes we create around things that we didn't like others doing right? It makes us better. It's my podcast is the same. It's, it's a five to seven minute daily podcast. And there's no intro. There's no outro. There's no music. There's nothing. Yeah. It is literally, here's the story. Here's the lesson. Here's the point. Let's move on and learn from it and have a great day. It's yeah. not going to take up very much of your time. And I think I write the book the same way. I don't, I'm not much of a fluff guy where it's like, let's just kind of play this out and, and kind of tease it out. No, if you have good content and you have good structure and you have good stories, you can pack a lot into that without having much fluff. And I, I don't appreciate things being kind of dragged on. So I don't want to do that to, to my readers. I agree. Just, just jump right in. Because even now people's time, that's the number yeah. one thing. Like yeah. time freedom is a, is a core part of our life. But the number one thing you hear is I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. And I just think it's, I don't want to waste people's time. with. It. I don't want to, if, if we can get to it and if I'm going to, we're going to spread out over that many words, let's make it quality. Let's make it really work to the stories flow into one another that the storyline goes in, in, in line and there's not much room for waste. It's just like a movie. If a great movie is an hour and 28 minutes, you don't want to make it an hour and 56 minutes just because you want to throw stuff in there because it, you know, it makes you happy. It's like, that's not good for the, yeah. for the, for the viewer of it. Yeah. So I'm curious what prompted you to want to write the book in the first place. Yeah, it was, it was good. Cause I wrote, so, okay, I'm not going to pretend like I know what this is like, right? Because I'm a male. But, you know, when 
I, I, you know, we're married. We have three kids. So my wife has went through childbirth a couple of times and almost every time after childbirth. And I've heard this with other women as well, which is like, never again, never again. <laughs> after, after you go through it physically, you will never go. And, but then two years later, you know, the kid's a little bit older and you see somebody else's baby and you go, yeah, I kind of, kind of want another baby. Right. You kind of go through that whole thing. Yeah. To me, it's the same thing with a book. I wrote a book and it published four years ago and I was like, never again, I'm not going through that again. I'm not <laughs> Everything that goes into it, the, the obsessiveness of how is this working. And then we, I kind of had that baby moment a couple of years ago where I was like, I think I'm ready for another one. I think I, I think I want another one. So we started doing this. And the challenge was the first book, which was called Freelance to Freedom. I had the title from the very beginning and mm. I wrote the book around it. Nice. This one, the title has changed six times mm. until we got to the wealth of connection. So I knew what the message was, but I couldn't. I couldn't grab the, the, the beginning of the book. And I think you might've read that part with, with Seth Godin. That was literally that moment that night was the seed planted for the book because I had focused so much on career and on freedom and, and what we wanted. And I had gotten so much of what we wanted. And I'd seen so many people do this as well, but they get what they want, but they're unhappy mm-hmm. or they're kind of, empty. and it was like all these selfish goals and all these things. Of, here's what I'm going to achieve. And all your daily journals of here's what you're going to do. And it's like, I don't think anybody talks about what happens when you get what you want. What happens when yeah. you strive for something and you really get that? What happens next? And what you find is so many people are empty. You know, we got to interview Deion Sanders one time and, you know, in my, I was a sports photographer for many years and he talked about how the Super Bowl was like his ultimate goal. And he was with the 49ers and he won the Super Bowl. And in the locker room that night, he said, this is it. This is, this is everything I was working for. It was mm. completely empty. He almost committed suicide that offseason in, in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm photographing, and I'm meeting these people that have been to the top, right? And everybody strives, well, when I get there, good things are going to be great. And John Mellencamp was an 80s, you know, rock and roll icon. And, but he, you know, got a little bit older. We photographed him in Indiana one year, and he wasn't as big as he used to be, right? He wasn't all over MTV. And my reporter, the reporter I was with said, don't you miss being at the top? Do you miss those days? And he was smoking a cigarette and Mellencamp's very sarcastic. And he said, he goes, kid, he takes a drag of a cigarette. He goes, I've been to the top. There ain't nothing up there. So I'm cool right where I'm at. And I was like, that was really cool. That was kind of a cool thing because I think so, so often we think when we get what we want, we're going to be happy. But so often it's these selfish goals and they're not generous goals. They're not helping other people. They're not building community. They're not building connection that we wind up getting those things, but we're dissatisfied. And that's what the, that's what the seeds of, of how this book was planted. That's incredible. You know, I've actually wondered those questions when you mentioned Deion Sanders, you know, I won the Super Bowl and then what was that? What was that all for? Wanted to commit suicide. John Cougar Mellencamp, that kind of thing. It's just like, yeah, you know, because we all, I think we all strive for that. I think we really do. I think there's a lot of us, well, maybe not everybody. I think some people are comfortable just kind of being meh, you know, but for those that are just, they're driven. And yes, I got to think, yeah. And you know, I actually just had a very interesting realization probably two or three weeks ago. And I was thinking about for some reason, I, I forget how old I am. <laughs> I just, I'm one of those people that just, I don't feel old. You know, uh, I, I, it's just, I don't know. I know a lot of people my age are like, man, we're getting so old. And I'm like, oh, I just don't feel that way. And I appreciate that. But sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I'm in my 20s. No, I'm not. Not even close, you know. (laughs) And so then I start to think about I've lived a lot of life already, you know, and why am I so driven right this moment to be at the I mean, like I'm going, hey, I want to take this show to the top. And then I start to go, well, why? I mean, I've had a lot of 
areas of success. I, I've, I mean, we've traveled, I've traveled around the world a little bit, not, not really around the world, but to various countries. I mean, I've done a lot. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. What, why am I not as content right here? What's going on? I mean, what's causing that? And, and then when you hear what Dion said and John said, you know, you just kind of go, Hmm. Yeah. That's really good wisdom. It, it really is. Cause it makes you think beyond what are my goals? Yeah. What do I want to achieve? Cause I think that a lot, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't want to make it seem like, you know, achievement is a bad thing because we're into that. But at the same time, why are you doing it? And I don't think we ask that question. Why are you doing it? Is it because of your ego? Is it because your mother and father didn't give you enough attention that you're going to prove them wrong? Yeah, is it, or they that, pushed that you. That might work. Yeah, yeah. It, that might work. But is that why you're doing it? And what I learned, and I had a really interesting, I, I didn't write this in the book, and I just told the story the other day where when I was first starting out in photography, I'm not in photography anymore, but when we first started out, my dream was to become a sports photographer. That's what I became eventually, yeah. 20 something years. But my first internship was with a place called Bruce Bennett Studios. They were the team photographers for the New York Rangers and Islanders and New Jersey Devils. And from there, some of the work got into Sports Illustrated by some of the photographers there. Not me at that point, but a studio that I was working for got pictures published in Sports Illustrated, which was my absolute dream. So I obviously had something to prove or something in a chip on my shoulder that I'm like, when I get there, this is going to be the thing. So I told my friend this, and it's almost like that, you know, you talk into a can and then the words get, you're, you're spreading a message and it gets yeah. incorrect along the way. Yeah. Telephone. Somewhere along the way. Right. Yeah. What's that? The game of telephone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So somewhere along the way, me working in this little studio led my friends to telling somebody else that I got a job at sports illustrated. Now I didn't say that, but as they started explaining it, so I go to the bar one night and we're all there and I'm kind of cool. Cause this internship where I'm not even getting paid is about to start. And my friend's girlfriend comes up to me and she goes, Oh, congrats on getting that job at sports illustrated. And it was that simple, like almost a pat on the back. And I, it stopped me in my tracks. Because first of all, I had to be like, no, I didn't get a job at Sports Illustrated. But second of all, that was literally her confirming my dream yeah. and giving me the approval that I was going to get mm. if I got that dream. And yeah. the approval I was going to get was a tiny little pat on the back and then let's go get a drink. Yeah. It wasn't that big of a deal. Huh. Nobody flipped out about it. It wasn't this big, you just made it. You're sport. No, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. And I remember, And I remember thinking, Wow. I think I just, I think she just saved me 10 years of striving for approval that I wasn't going to get even if I got there. Yeah. It was a really interesting moment where I was like, oh, if I ever do make it to Sports Illustrated, that's the response I'm going to get. And that was pretty underwhelming. So mm. why am I going to make that the, the dream to prove somebody wrong when they don't even care anyway? Yeah. And that really leveled me out in terms of what do you really want? And yeah. what do you really want? To do? So curious, did, did you feel, and granted, I know for you, it's going to be different than for somebody else, but did you kind of figure out what we should be seeking? Yeah, we've got our goals and sure we want our success. You know, you got, you got to pay your bills. You got to make the money, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you do want to work for sports illustrated or, you know, win the NBA championship or whatever, but what I'm curious what you found in a general sense that we should be seeking after. Yeah, it, it was a real hard one because it was empty, right? I, I dealt with some of the emptiness, the same stuff, not Super Bowl worthy, but my own level. But it was the very first, one of the very first stories in the book about an encounter with Seth Godin, who's a you know 19-time best-selling author. And he endorsed my first book. And he's like one of the top guys in my world that I've, I've admired. And he endorsed the book. And we went on this tour when my book launched. We, we call it a thank you tour. Us and the family, we drove around and we went cross-country 
from Pittsburgh to California for three months and to travel as a family, but to also give the book to all the people that helped us and to thank them for it. And I got to give the book to Seth Godin in California along the trip. And when I gave it to him, he said, how'd the launch go? And I said, it went great. I had no expectations. And he said, perfect. He said, never have any expectations when releasing a book. Mm. I was like, well, that was pretty great advice. So I give him the book and he goes up on stage in front of, you know, thousand people and it's being filmed and you can, you can even find this on YouTube and my book's under the chair and I'm geeking out like my book's under Seth Godin. Like it was a big deal for me. So I took a picture of it as, you know, as silly as that sounds. And then they go to do Q&A and I go to ask a question, which had nothing to do with business. And a woman to my right grabbed the microphone. Like it was going to go to me and she goes, me first. And she grabs it. And I was like, well, that's kind of bold, right? I'm like, okay, maybe I'll go next. And she said, you know, I've been struggling in business and I'm wondering if I need to be less selfish because you talked about being more generous. And she said, do you think being less selfish is the answer? And I kind of thought, that's pretty ironic for you to say. You just pulled the microphone away from me and said, me first. And, <laughs> and then, she, then Seth Godin goes, I, I, think that's, I think being less selfish is always the answer. And then he talked about generosity. And I left there, and that's, that, that's literally when this happened because I was like, that, it's beyond my own goals. And, and as I started writing the book, it was, it was all about what are our goals? Are they selfish or are they generous? And I think so often we're so focused on our own selfish goals. I was like, it really hit me the Zig Ziglar line, which was you can get anything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. Yeah. And then I thought, well, Seth's goal was generous. It was not about, hey, let me get as much publicity for myself. He lifted me up when he didn't need to. It was nothing I could do for him. It was a generous goal that he had to show my book to his audience. And that brought me up with him. So literally from that point, I was like, oh, if I set generous goals, meaning who are the people that I'm helping, who are the people that I'm lifting up, who are the people that I'm bringing to the level that they want to get to, I'll get all the things that I want by doing that. It'll all happen because just like with Seth, I keep telling his story because it was so impactful for me. So he's getting more publicity by doing that for free than he would ever get if he asked me to you know, give him $3,000 to hold the book up. Yeah. And I started realizing that. And that's when it was, that, that was the whole thing. Like, what do we do? set generous goals. What are the goals that are going to get other people up there? And because you're going to create something that's so good, whether it's the Real Brian podcast or whatever it is you're doing, if it's so good to help these people, all the things that you want will come from it. It flipped on its head what I always thought success was and what goals were. It's generous over selfish and then you will get all those things. Mm. So that, that's where it came from. Yeah, that's really neat. And I really, honestly, I, I love the title. And I know you said it, it took a while to get to that point. But as soon as I read the title, I knew exactly what it was about. And it, it's kind of interesting. So little, little, you know, short history, you know, here is that I, I found myself, you know, growing up, I'm, I'm an extrovert, you know, I just, I love people. So I just kind of found myself, you know, in my, my teens and twenties, just being that person for people, just trying to lift people up. In fact, a lot of times, and, and I still have that desire here on this show, by the way, but a lot of times people would say, well, why are you doing this? And I'm like, Hey, I just want to help you. I just want to help you get out to people. And I want to connect you with the right people and, and build you up and that kind of thing. That's really all I care about. And I used to do that all the time. Um, and then somewhere along the lines, you know, life happens, bad things happen. That happens to all of us. Mm -hmm. And you start to kind of fold in on yourself a little bit out of self-protection. And it's not that you want to be selfish, but you start to realize, man, my tank is empty. What am I supposed to do now? You know, or I got to pay the bills or something, you know, and how can I be generous when I can't even take care of myself sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And you go through that and, and then it's really hard to kind of recover 
And I found myself in that place personally. I'm sure I'm not the only one, but curious. Oh. Have, have, yeah, I'm assuming you've gone through that too. Totally. Well, I, yeah. I can only write the book because I'm that person. <laughs> right? Very this true. is not about, oh, I'm, I'm not the guru. Like, but one thing I said to somebody that just read it was like, I do not want this to appear like I'm the guru on this. Yeah. I'm not the, the, the hero on this. I'm the one the guinea mapping pig. out. Yeah, mapping out the journey and learning from all these people that have this. Yeah. Or have done this. Oh, I've totally been there. Even this summer, as we were moving last summer, you know, we're moving to Florida and house prices are just skyrocketing. We're selling our house. We're renting. We have three kids that don't know where they're going to live. We don't know if we're going to be in Venice or Bradenton. Are they going to have friendships? Whatever it's going to be. And it got really stressful. And I can tell you for that month and a half, I wasn't helpful at all mm. to very many people because I was so wrapped up in myself. And it really made me think I'm writing this book about it. Now I'm back in time being that person. And now I know why so many people struggle. Yeah. I almost forgot because they're not in it for a month and a half. They're in it for a year and a half yeah. or for 10 and a half years or their entire lifetime. And they never think, and they always go, well, why don't people care? Nobody cares because you're selfish. Right. Nobody cared about me because I was selfish. And it was, I was and when you're so self-involved, you're not doing the things to reach out like you used to do. Like you said, you used to connect people and you used to do all those things. Well, there's a thing called helpers high, which is when you help other people, you feel better and you want to do it more and people appreciate it. They don't really appreciate it when you just have goals about yourself. It kind of gets tiring to hear other people talk about what they want to accomplish. But if you wanted to help me, all of a sudden you're like the coolest person in the world. Now, why don't we do that more? Because I think we get caught up in that trap like you went through and what I went through. And what I learned is I need to start my day with this. I start my day every day. You know, it, 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 maybe it's not the first thing in the morning, but I started the thing called the hour of giving. And that came during my most selfish times where I wake up and I set my goals for the day. And here's what I'm going to do. It's all about me. And, and it's not generous. So if I could spend an hour leaving reviews for podcasts that I like, reaching out to people just because connecting people together, doing all those things, those, that hour of giving over the last five years led to probably 80% of the growth mm. that we've had in our business and in our friendships simply because of all the relationships that were formed without me looking for something, mm. without me trying to get something. And I realized, oh my God, this is the cornerstone of it all. This is the cornerstone. And it really came down to, it's nothing about me. There's nothing to do with me. But by doing that, people would say, well, what are you up to? And I'd say, I'm writing a book. Oh, really? Can I, I'll send you the PDF, right? That's how it all started. And then they go, I love it. Can I share this? Can I buy? And that's everything we've done is built off of that. And it didn't require marketing and it didn't require a sales funnel. It just required actually reaching out and caring about other people. And it's so simple, but we just forget to do it with all the busyness that we have in our life. Oh yeah, it's so true. Well, and yes, there's the busyness. There's the wouldn't even say it's, I mean, it's a form of selfishness, but you're just wrapped up in what's going on in your life. And you know, you're, 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 what's the word? Like, I, I don't know. Like you're, you're just kind of like, uh, I'm just poor me pity, you know, pity party. That's what I'm thinking of here. You know, you're just kind of doing that regardless, but, um, you know, you're right. And, and there are days where, you know, I'll wake up and be like, oh man, you know, that, that, that didn't go the way I'd hoped it would go. You know, it, oh, I spent all that time doing that. And then you spend the first hour of your day going, yeah, this isn't, you know, and then you don't even think about anyone else. And then you're, you're strong. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally guilty of this stuff right now, actually. Um, but I mean, but I, I hear you. It's what's funny about it. As I'm writing it, I'm feeling like, oh crap, this is me. Like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> I basically, I'm, I can write this cause I'm selfish and I'm trying to, not that there's anything wrong with there's You need some selfishness. You want to, you know, you oh, want to yeah. have a nice house. It's wrong with that. Yeah. But 
what, what is really interesting about it is the feedback you get and it's not even published yet. And I'm sending out pre-reader co- and people are like, you are kicking me in the gut. Yeah. It's like I didn't know why I was unhappy and I'm seeing why I'm unhappy. Cause as I'm going through this, I'm realizing I'm doing all these things. And I think it's the right, it's not like you're out there hurting people. So you don't think you're doing anything wrong. Yeah. You're not out there kicking dogs and you're just living your life and setting your goals and going after it. But why does it feel so empty? Yeah. And it feels empty because it's not collaborative. Yeah. Is what I yeah. thought. About. If I can go and do this thing by myself, there's nobody to celebrate with because they're all struggling anyway. But if you can do this and you can lift people up around you and you can collaborate with them and you can help them succeed and you feel good from it, but then they get lifted up and then they give you credit for it and you didn't even expect it. Now you get lifted up by other people from it and everybody keeps going up. You go, this is, this success thing is kind of fun Yeah. when success on our own, on my own wasn't fun, but I thought it would be. I thought one day when I get there, but they didn't care because they were struggling. Why would they celebrate that much when it's just like, like that's great. I'm glad you did that, but I'm kind of sitting here trying to pay the bill. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if you could bring it all up. Yeah, no. And you know, it, I'm glad you're bringing it up from this perspective too, because you will hear that. I mean, this is more from the business standpoint. Well, there's, they'll say, you know, advertising doesn't work. It's all about who, you know, and then that's where the conversation ends. But then yeah. you go, like, well, like, yeah, like what, why, why, why is it that way? I mean, what causes that? And I look back at, you know, all of the businesses I've been in and the ones where I've had the most success are the ones where I've, I've just reached out and just said, Hey, you know, so I, I did one um, where I would actually go to these venues and I would say, you know, what have you seen? What are the horror stories you've seen? What have you seen that works? How can I do better? What would you like to see from me? And that's it. I didn't even tell them my name or anything. You know, I just, I'm just here like, what, what do you do? And then eventually they start asking, you know, and then I'd start telling them about it and that kind of thing too. But you could tell they were impressed by that because they're like, nobody's asked these questions ever. Like mm-hmm. they just come in and do whatever they want and they end up being a complete disaster. And so then they started to go, well, wait, do you have a card? You know, we, we might want to refer you. And I, I only did that because I was genuinely curious. Actually, I wasn't necessarily. Yeah. And I know that's, and by the way, I love, uh, I started that, that chapter in your book and uh, that, that story with Funzy was, was pretty amazing actually. But it's one of those things yeah. where I was I'm just genuinely curious to find out what do these people need? You do that kind of thing. And then you realize, well, they actually want to work with you and they want to promote you and that kind of thing because they realize that nobody does that kind of thing. Nobody asks questions like that at all. It's, it's, it's an epidemic, a yeah. lack of curiosity. And, and people get mad at me about it, but you know, I, I believe it comes from the school system. I think it comes top down in terms of follow what we do. Don't ask questions. If you ask questions that are outside of the lesson plan, we will chastise you for taking us off course. So now the kids get less curious. And when they're four yeah. years old, they ask hundreds of questions. And when they're 10 years old, they ask none because it's been beaten out of them. So they become adults that are also not curious. And I, I, I've just laid this out. I truly believe this. Your character and your curiosity is the foundation to all this. If yeah. just like you did, you had character and you had curiosity when you walked in there, those two things together lead to real connection, at yeah. least lead to good connection. If you don't have those, you'll still get connected just kind of with people that don't have character and don't have curiosity. And that's not a whole lot of fun. But if you have it the other way around, now you get people that are like, oh, I want to help Brian. I want to see if we can connect you. Now, when you do that, just like we're doing today, you get collaboration. And now when you get collaboration, your worlds open up because there's a whole lot of people listening to me today from this show that have never heard about me, but they're only listening because they trust you. 
Yeah. And you've trusted me to put me on your platform with you. And that's a huge bonus. So that's a huge thing. I'm like, okay, well, somewhere along the line, Kimberly Irish connected us. And, you know, apparently there was enough integrity there and there was enough curiosity that to have you come, have you asked me to be on the show? We had the connection. There's a collaboration. And then when you do those things, the creations that you do can only help it get better. Yeah. The podcast, the book, everything we do, because I'd want to promote you. You'd want to promote me. If we're, if we have integrity, it gets lifted up, but you exemplified that with the story you just told because you had that, those exact same steps. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And you, I mean, it's not always that way. Cause then I look at the other stories where I've done the exact opposite and you know, that's not good either. But like you said, we've all learned, we've all seen through this kind of thing. And you know, it's not just business either, because I, I know a lot of, of listeners are, are, they're not, they're not doing their own businesses or anything like that. But I mean, this goes to anything, just even talking about friendships, you know, friendships, do you have yeah. friendships that are there for you? Do you feel alone right now? It's little things like that, that, you know, uh, my wife is, is huge, hugely good about doing this is just reaching out to people constantly and never hears back a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I mean, she probably, I, I would say hears back from, you know, maybe, maybe one out of seven people, one out of eight people, eventually she'll hear back, but yep. it's usually a very one way conversation. But then down the road, eventually she'll be like, Whoa, this person just came out of nowhere. And you know, so there's a lot of giving, there's a lot of just doing that kind of thing. Um, and, and I mean, yeah, I, I like what you said about taking the first hour of your day or however much time you can devote, you know, and yep. just giving in some way to other people for nothing in return. That's Tangibly, just too. like your wife does. Yeah, yeah, just like your wife does. And, and not to get resentful because you can get resentful of when course. you reach out to people and they don't get back to you. But I've learned it's not about that. It's, you know, the, the line that Seth Godin said, do it with no expectations. It wasn't just about a book launch. Yeah. It, it was life. And it doesn't yeah. mean be a pushover because people are like, well, what happens when you get taken advantage of? Well, you learn who the parasites are and you <laughs> yeah. learn you know, how to get away from it. But you can't let that strip you of your soul because some people will take advantage of you. Yeah. You just can't do that. So, but when you reach out like that, like there's, I can't tell you how many stories I have. I'll give you one where, you know, part of the hour of giving, like some, sometimes it's birthdays, yeah. just reach out, send a message. And I don't post on people's social media wall. Everybody does that. So I'll send a message or I'll do a, a, a video or, or a, um, you know, audio. And there was this one woman we used to work for. She used to hire us for photography jobs. It was a lucrative gig well she wound up leaving that company to go to a different business that was in education higher ed so if i'm a taker i'm thinking well there's nothing she could do for me anymore she can't hire me for those gigs so i'm not going to reach out to her but i reached out to her to see how she was doing i think it was on her birthday and i said how's everything going with the new job and she goes it's going terrible she goes i hate it i'm Mm. quitting but i'm starting my own business because i'm a writer and i want to do a writing business around writing and she goes and I need pictures done for the website. Can I hire you to do that? I have a thousand dollar budget. And I was like, cool. Yeah, we'll do that. We can do that tomorrow, you know, hour or two, whatever. So by doing that, the next day I got a thousand dollar gig just because I reached out to see how she was doing with no expectations. But the amount of times that happened with way bigger numbers than that and in way bigger influence numbers than that without trying to get anything really made me realize this is kind of how it works. It's not expectations, but you're reaching out and you're connecting with people and people just appreciate it because I can tell you this, when I don't do that reaching out, my inbox is pretty empty. There's nobody doing it. There's nobody really doing it. So when I do it, it's like people like, oh, I appreciate you thinking. There are some people that go, what's your angle? I'm like, there's literally no angle. There's no angle to it. And then when they realize that, they go, oh, and then two months later, they trust you more. Mm -hmm. And it's just building trust over time. But to me, connections is the key is the number one thing because I don't like to market. And I don't yeah, like to I don't sell. Either. 
So if I can do business in a way where it's really based around connection and friendships and everything comes off of that, and then they go, well, I introduced you to my friend. They need to join your community because of this. Beautiful. I want to do everything by referral. Yeah. Because we do a good enough job for our people. And I don't want to have to go on social media ads and do videos to sell. I don't want to do any of that stuff. So this was my way around it. But if I could just do this, everything kind of comes anyway. And I never really have to ask for anything. And it's the way that I, and I think there's a lot of people like that that would love to do business without selling, yeah. but they don't really know how. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate marketing too. I'm terrible at it. And, but I, I agree with you. And, and there's gotta be though, like you talked about, there's no angle. And I think that's difficult to get rid of in your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's always that, Oh gosh, I wish this person could help me, but I can't ask that right now. So I'm just gonna, I'm just going to give for the next two months, but man, I know I'm going to need this. Like you just can't have that. I mean, you're right about that. And and how do you, how do you get rid of that? Cause I'm sure you've dealt with that too. Totally. Yeah. Here's how I've learned to get rid of it is get myself into a financial position where there's no desperation mm-hmm. because if there's no desperation, you don't need it right now. True. It only comes because you're desperate. It only comes because you, you have to pay the bills now. Cause if I tell you, I'll give you, you know, I'll put a, a year's worth of expenses in your bank account. Right. And I'll pay your bills for a year. Do you need that sale today? Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. Would you take a little longer to nurture a friendship? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or any or a business relationship? Would you go in for that sale? No. Why would I? I don't need the money. Why would I not play the long game? And sometimes the long game is years. Yeah. Sometimes it, nothing happens from it. Sometimes there'll never be a connection with that person, but they will refer you to somebody. Yeah. But I can tell you, they know. We all, especially the more experience we get, we can all smell desperation. Yeah. You just know. Yeah. You know, you get that smarmy email and it's like, Hey, let's connect. And Hey, let's see if we have a bit. I don't even know who you are. You, I don't have trust in you. <laughs> yeah. And we're not going to do, a, we're not going to do a business connection. Oh yeah. It takes, I don't even barely do interviews in my podcast. I can't imagine how many messages you get about being on your show, but yeah. they're like, I've got a great person for your show. Like, I don't, I don't know who you are. Yeah. And how about we develop a friendship and a relationship and then we talk about it, but it's yeah. like, you know, it's it's like going on a date and expecting everything on the yeah. first date. It's, oh yeah. No, yeah. take your time. Yeah. Right. So, if, but if you, but it goes back to the financial side, if you have your finances in order or you don't need as much, you don't have to do any of that stuff. So if you can have the financial freedom, at least in terms of needs and you can do this, it's it, I've never seen it not work because mm. it's just doing business the way that we'd probably want to be treated ourselves. Yeah. So do you think there's another level of desperation too, though, you know, when it comes to friendships? So again, you know, taking the business side out of the equation too, with friendships, people are lonely and stuff. Obviously they want connection. They want friendships. How do, how do people like that deal with that? I I think here's the thing. I think so many people are just incredibly lonely. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what I'm learning. So many people just don't have real friendships, don't have real connections because, you know, the older you get, I think it, it gets more difficult, right? Because when you're in college, you can relate to just about everybody. We're going to go to the bar. We're going to watch a game. We're going to talk about our classes. We're all in the same boat. But as we get older, you know, we get married. So we kind of, you know, some of our friends are single, so we don't connect. Now we have kids. Some of our friends don't have kids, so we kind of connect less. Some of our friends have kids that annoy the crap out of us, and we don't want our kids to be around them. So that's going to separate (laughs) even more, right? Some of them have, you know, it depends on where you go. Maybe the friends that you used to hang out with, now they're drinking every weekend and you don't want to drink every weekend. It separates even more and we're more online than ever before. Yeah. That we have less connections than ever before. And they say the average American male in his 40s has less than one true friend. Wow. 
as yeah, connected as surprised. we are as a society, right? Yeah. As connected as we are with thousands of friends online, we don't have real friends. Yeah. And it, I go to the business world a lot, but it's just so relatable in real life. Like I want real relationships. I tell a story in my book about Scott Bain and the 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 mechanic. And when he, you know, he he was such a great person to us. And I won't go into the whole detail of when, he, but he passed away. And he was he was such a friend of the family. And we went to his funeral to pay respects. He's this mechanic in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. Nobody's ever heard of him except for this area. The funeral home was packed, mm. and it was all these stories about how Scott did this for him. How Scott made them feel like they were the only person that he, that's what he did for us. Made us feel like we were like the most important people. And and I told Ryan, his son, I said, you know, I kind of thought we were special. I don't think we're special. Everybody feels this way about Scott. And he goes, no, he loved you guys, but that's the way he was. Yeah. And it's the legacy that comes with it and the friendships that he developed because of doing these same things that made his life so rich. And it wasn't about the money. Yeah. It wasn't about the success. It was about the relationships. And I think so often we miss the relationships and we miss the connection because we get so busy with sports, our kids' sports or school or work that we forget about the thing that really matters to me and to so many is, is those connections. So true. We, you know, we hear about this all the time where they're, you know, the kids are, it's so funny. I was thinking back to one, to my childhood and it's like, I was involved. I did things, you know, but I was involved at a fraction of what I see kids involved with today. Literally. I mean, I'm like not even a quarter. I'm, I'm talking a fraction. And, and it was a lot of time where my parents would say, we want you to focus on one thing right now. If you want to try something else, you know, give this a good try. And then after that, if you want to try something else, then we'll, we'll look into it. But I wasn't doing much more than a couple things at a time, you know, and we've got friends too, where it's like, I mean, literally back to back to back to back to back to back every single weekend, you know, most of the afternoons of every day. And it's like, let's get together. And like, okay, we could uh, probably get together in August. <laughs> it was kind of like, are you kidding me? I mean, totally. having a full life is great. Having a psychotically busy life is, is just, I don't think it's good for anyone. And you're right. You, you lose that connection. You're too busy to notice that you don't have connections or real friendships. But then yeah. when you sit down and you kind of take a breath, you realize I'm alone. I'm alone. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't, I, and I've never put the time in to develop anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so hit and miss and let's sit down and have Chick-fil-A at the kid's game and then we'll go, but there's no real, and you're just kind of yeah. talking about how busy your schedule is. And when you talk to these parents, for the most part, they don't tell those stories about how busy, busy they are in such a great way. You don't sit down the porch and like, this is so cool. Yeah. How busy <laughs> going 20 hours a day. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> no, they're like, I wish we didn't have to. Yeah. And then everybody goes to me, they go, you know, I, I annoy people with this because I take a total different point of view. People go, oh, kids are expensive. I'm like, kids aren't expensive. Yeah. Parents are expensive. Parents make their kids. You don't need gymnastics and volleyball and fo- you don't, they don't need all that stuff. Like you said, you went out and you did a fraction of what they did. We played in the yard. We played with friends, but we've made everything so structured and so activity-based that it costs all this money. So now you got to now baseball used to be for two, two months out of the year. Now it's all year long Yeah, for a 11 year old. That's never going to go pro. Yeah. Yeah. I told my kid, you're not going pro. So we're not going to spend our life going to your games. Yeah. I said yeah. that. That's good. Yeah. We're not going pro. I'm sorry. We, we your dad's five, nine and slow as it can be. <laughs> yeah. You are not going pro. So yeah. we are not going to spend four nights a week at your game and three nights a week at your brother's game. And then going back and forth with the other. It's not how we're going to live our life. Now, if yeah. you want to play something cool here and there, like it was in the past, but we're going to have a life and we're going to have friends and you're going to have friends. Yeah. It's not going to be based around those. And I think people have kind of lost their way with that, to be I honest agree. with you. 
No, I agree. And, and I, I've seen a real struggle with real friendships and relationships in the last few years. I mean, well, probably within the last 10 years, but you know, significantly more as, as time goes on, it gets worse and worse. And a lot of that has to do with social media. Everybody's living on their phones and they're not really, you know, connecting in person. And then of course, you know, COVID happened and people kind of secluded themselves. And I think they got used to that, which that, that's, you know, that's to be expected. But now that we're reemerging and everything, it's kind of like, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's reconnect. Let's live life. It's living life together is what it is. It is. That's, it is. That, and that's I the think, key. And what I've noticed, and I don't know if you've seen this, I've started going back. You know, we, we didn't slow down too much. Florida yeah. never really stopped. Right. That's true. Yeah. And, and so we've been going to things, we've been doing things, but I've noticed the last six months, even just the level of connection and conversation is incredibly awkward compared to what it used to be. Oh yeah. I think people don't even know. And I'm, and I'm going to call people out on this, but it's like they ramble on about their own stories and they don't know how to pause anymore. This is the one thing, and my wife even noticed it and she doesn't usually call this. I call the stuff out. I'm always yeah. paying attention. And then like the third time she's like, I'm, I'm starting to see what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like reading the room. Yeah. You ever talk to somebody and they're kind of glazing around and you go, maybe I should stop talking now yeah. because I think I'm, I could look at my watch. I could pull out my phone because I'm like, I got to end this thing. They'll keep going. It's like, I think two years being stuck inside have made people unaware to even read the cues of other humans. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a recalibration that's been going to be really hard because it's, it's a whole, you factor in COVID, but you also factor in the social media and online. And, you know, even with young kids, the awkwardness of not even picking your head up to talk to people. Like my dad would never allow me to just kind of walk past my head down. You're going to speak eye to eye and you're going to have, you see it so often. So I think communication is going to be one of the biggest challenges to re re enter society again for so many people. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. You're right. And they've got so much they want to say, cause they haven't said anything for two years, but then you're right. They, they, they forgot how to read the room. So I hear you. Okay. Yeah. Now, one thing I'm very curious about, because honestly, I think it's very, very cool that you've, done professional sports shooting you you've had an opportunity to photograph the super bowl and i mean you you've met some people that people just absolutely worship and so mm-hmm. my first of all i guess the the question and of course i know you've got thousands of stories and so give me one of your let's go even you know top one or two stories that's just like oh my gosh that was that was just one of the coolest experiences ever let's just start there well the little <laughs> simple one you know shooting the super bowl was a was a big deal to me you know that was the game when i was a kid i was a big pittsburgh steelers fan the first game i remember super bowl 13 they beat the cowboys it was like magnificent to where like every super bowl from then on was was really a big deal and that was like the game so the first time i got a press pass for a super bowl was in actually was in in tampa but it was it was the giants versus the raven it wasn't a great game i wasn't on the field so it was cool but it wasn't the coolest but the next year i was covering the the st louis rams and they went to the super bowl against the patriots it was tom brady's first super bowl and I, I remember walking through the tunnel and all those doubters, right? We talk about the selfish goals, all the people that didn't believe that I could do it, that told me, don't try this, you're going to fail. I'm walking on the field with my, with my equipment at the Super Bowl and every celebrity is left to the right of me. And um, I remember walking on there and then I'm on the sideline as Paul McCartney is singing and then Mariah Carey sings the national anthem and they're, the Rams are getting ready to run the field. It's like this climax of a moment and i'm shooting london fletcher from the rams walking right towards me on the sideline literally picks up his helmet is about to go play in the biggest game of my life walks over and he keeps walking towards me and i'm like why is he walking towards me like he's now he's looking at me 
mm-hmm. and he's walking closer and closer and he gets right in my face and he kneels down and he goes, you're going to put those pictures on eBay, aren't you? And he smiled and he winked at me and he put his helmet on and ran out to go play in the Super Bowl. And I was like, that was like one of the coolest things. It's such a silly little thing, but I'm like, how do you be so calm and cool to say something like that and then go play in like the biggest game of your life? So that, that was, that was a funny one. Um, yeah. there's, a, there's a thousand, but I, I can tell you kind of the inside, like the wrestling thing, right? When, when I got hired to, to, to shoot for the world wrestling federation, um, it was the craziest thing because it was during their heyday. And then, so my first gig ever was in Rockford, Illinois, and there was already established photographers there. I was the guy coming in because I knew how to light arenas from the national hockey league. And there's a wrestler named gold dust. He's like six, four and he dresses all in gold and black and, and mean guy. Everybody said how mean he is. So we're doing a photo shoot underneath the arena, like in the makeshift studio. And he comes in for a shoot. And Rich Freed is taking the pictures and then he gold dust looks at me and I don't even know who this guy is. And he goes, get that, get the gold reflector, like the reflector to reflect light. And I'm like, what is he telling us how to take pictures? He doesn't know what he's talking about. So I'm like, he's yelling at me. So I'm like, I better take the, the reflector. So I start, you know, holding the reflector up and they're telling me just do whatever he says. Cause he's a hothead. And I do that. And then I'm like the shoot ends, he goes into the cafeteria to go eat dinner and Rich Frieda takes the Polaroid because we would use Polaroid cameras to, to test the light. He goes, go ask Dustin, because his name's Dustin Runnels, go ask him what he thinks of the picture. So I bring the, the, the uh, Polaroid over to him. In the cafeteria, I mean, everybody's there. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, Vince McMahon, they're all there eating dinner. And he looks at the picture and he looks at me, he looks at the picture again, and he curses and he crumbles it up and he goes, throws it right in my face. He goes, this sucks. But he used more, more colorful language. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I pick it up and I go back and I go, I go, he was, he was pretty angry about it. Yeah. I'm like, all right, don't worry. So literally I'm going out to the ring. They, I have my headphone, my headsets on cause they, you have to wear headphones to make sure you don't get blown up by pyro when you're, when you're ringside. Cause they have you know all the pyro going off. And literally as, as the, the fireworks are shooting off of the stadium, I feel a slap on my back. And I look over and it's gold dust and he's all in costume, you know, painted head to toe and, and he's angry. And he looks at me and he goes, do you work here full time? And I'm stammering. I'm nervous. I'm like, um, I'm, I'm on contract. I'm not full time. And again, with colorful language that more than I'm going to share, he points at me and he says, if I ever see you again, I'm going to kill you. Wow. And yeah. Wow. And now I go out to the ring and I'm like, oh my goodness, he's going to wrestle in a couple of matches. He's going to what could, he's going to throw me in the ring. Like he could make like, I'm a prop. Cause they have people use his props. Like he could pretend like he's doing something, but he could really hurt me. Yeah. And I, so I'm flipping out. He comes out to the ring. I asked my boss, he's like, stay in there. So luckily nothing happens. Then I call up and I complain. Like I can't keep working like this. That we go to San Antonio and the, the next week and he's there. And in front of the ring, you know, during warmups, he goes, you cost me 10 grand brother. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I got fined because of what I did to you. He goes, I'm not forgetting this. So this went on for over a year. And then I left to go back to school to go to college. And Tom Buchanan, who's my boss, hired me back to do a documentary, a three-day documentary in New York on the behind the scenes of the wrestling. So on the last night, we all get together. We have food. And we're all we're doing is telling stories about what it was like and all the history and everything we did together. And then Rich goes on to tell We're talking about pranks. And Rich goes on to talk about the different pranks that they pulled on each other. And then he goes, well, we pulled the biggest prank on, on Vincent. And I'm like, 
what do you talk about? So they start going on and start telling the story of gold dust. They start telling about how before I got hired, they got together with him and they said this and that and this and that. And I'm sitting there and everybody's just cracking up laughing. It's such a great story. So I'm laughing along with it. And then finally, like tears are rolling down people's face. They don't know. And I, I said, Hey guys, I said, that's, that's an awesome story. (laughs) The only thing is you guys never told me it was a prank. And Rich was like, no, we told you like the next week. And I said, no, you forgot to tell me. I've been living in fear for two years oh. that he's going to kill me. And so to, to make a long story even longer, they loved it. I wrote about that in my book. And then they were coming. They were in Anaheim when we were on our, on our tour back in 2018. So I go to bring my book because I want to give Goldust a copy of the book because the story's in there. Well, they go get him. We're backstage. I'm not even working for them anymore. And he comes around and as serious can be, he goes, who told you, who told you that you could write about me in your book? And I said, well, it's public, you know, information. It's a story. He goes, and he's like, serious. He's like, I never told you you could write about me. Who gives you? And he's furious. And I'm like, so now everybody's watching. And I'm looking all around and literally like 20 seconds of silence. And then he just starts cracking up laughing. Goes, I got you again. And I'm like, how did you get me again? Like, how did I fall for it a second time? And so we have a picture of him holding the book and, and laughing. And Oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, no, it's not awesome in those first two years, you know, you're just like, Oh my gosh, she's good. Like I've got a death threat on me, you know, and he's going to kill me. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, it's funny in hindsight, but wow, that is a, that's a class. That's a good prank. It was a terrifying. Prank. Though. I'm yeah. so envious that I didn't do it and they did it to me. Wow. Like, I have no hard feelings toward what they did. I'm like, I just wish I would have thought of it and done it. That's cool. Well, and then, you know, now you can be friends and all that. And then, then it's like, okay, we're getting somebody else about that one. That was, wow. That's awesome. And it's a, and it's just a great story. Oh, and it's yeah. like, you know, I have, a t- I have a t-shirt that says bad choices make great stories. And that was definitely, definitely one. So well, that's how yeah, comedians there's, there's get their material. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, great comedians never come from luxury and mansions. No. They go, my butler. No, it's, it's all the hard things that happened. And so I embrace it all. And there's so many more of those you know, you have all those years in that world and, and just even the, you know, being on the sideline side with LeBron James or different conversations in the hallways and, and different things like that. It's like, that was, that was, you know, I don't miss it because I don't miss the traveling and being away from the kids. But a, a lot of that time was during eras that everybody was watching it. You know, like photograph Michael Jordan before he retired, all this type of stuff. And it's oh, like, yeah. it's, pretty cool. it's pretty cool to look back on. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Well, and, and that was kind of the question though, is why you, why you stopped doing that? Because you said you, you're not doing that anymore. And Seem, I mean, it seems like just like, wow, what a cool thing. And like you said, yeah. it wasn't the ultimate dream eventually, but what, what caused you to move to something else? Well, it went back even to really the beginning of this whole thing is like, why am I doing this? Mm. You know, why am I doing, am I doing it for the stories? And what I learned was I was, I was doing it because people thought it was cool. That's why I was doing it. I was kind of done with it. I would go to the arena and I'd be like midway through the second quarter. I'm like, I'm not excited about this anymore. Okay. You know, I'm not excited about eating media food anymore. It all became kind of just tired. And But then I'd go home and people were like, what was it like shooting the Broncos Steelers game? Like, it was cool. Did you ever meet Peyton Manning? I'm like, yeah, I met Peyton Manning. Yeah, but, and I'm kind of like, am I like a clown? Am I like, you know, the, the clown in the circus? That and is, Am I known? That was the whole thing. Am I known for anything but this? Yeah. Is, is, am I going to be known for the things that I did? Or am I going to be known for the person that I am? And that's when I had to really say, I'm not becoming a better person because of this. I'm just gathering cool stories that 
that I get to tell at parties. And that's when it was like, I'm kind of, I kind of need to do something else and I need to kill this thing because otherwise it will stay there and it will overshadow everything. And even the first year, the world that I'm in right now, everybody wanted me to go back to that world. Mm. Tell that story. No, I'm I'm not going to teach photography. I'm not going to do, I'm going to go in the world that I want to go into, which is more entrepreneurship and teaching people about how to build a life of freedom. And I got a lot of pushback for a year until I started having success. And now it's nostalgic. Now it's not who I am anymore, which is cool. I'm cool telling the story. It's just not who I am anymore. So you move into total life freedom as your mission. And I like that mm-hmm. phrase too, but explain what that phrase means to you. Yeah, it's, it's, it was, how do you build a life of time, money, location, freedom? How do you, how do you live life on your terms? How do you do it with options? And it's a question people ask me like, what's the number one word in terms of what you do? It's options. I love waking up and being able to choose my day, who I'm going to talk to, how I'm going to work. So I'm not much of a scheduler. So I don't want a whole lot of things in my schedule that block up time. I want to be able to write for three hours if I want. I want to be able to get on great phone calls if I want. And I want to be able to build a business that allows me to do that where I control the time and I I control, you know, there's no income limit. And there's also the freedom to go play with my kids on a Wednesday afternoon or to work if I want, like really set my own life. I didn't think that was possible from the life that I lived before that. And then that was always the dream for our life. And once we build that, built that. We had other people asking about that and then wrote a book about it and then literally create a community for people looking to do that and generally built around entrepreneurship because it's really hard to do that when you have a job. It's really hard to control your own schedule when somebody else controls your schedule and there are income limits to that. And there's, I think it was the millionaire next door talked about 75% of the millionaires are self-employed, but only 25% of the population are self-employed. So the percentage that the ability to get financial freedom being in being employed is very difficult. And that's what we wanted. It wasn't about wealth. It was about financial freedom and, and time freedom. So that's really what it came about. It wasn't about let's build billion dollar businesses. I could care less about that. If you're looking to scale everything, I'm not the one for you. I can point you in the right direction. But if you're looking to build a business that will give you that freedom for you and your family, that's what we do. So that's, it started from me coaching one DJ at a wedding when I was a wedding photographer and saying, I love this. I could do this all night. And then one-on-one coaching to group coaching to masterminds to membership and then speaking and live events and mm. all those things that come with. That's the last five years that was built out. When you mentioned the financial freedom, it's about financial freedom and not necessarily, you know, being completely wealthy or rich or anything like that. Yeah. Because that honestly, a lot of money also brings a lot of tie downs and restrictions and other things like that. There's just all kinds of stuff that comes with that. So I I'm with you on the, you, you make enough to have freedom and to not be, well, like we talked about earlier to not be so strapped that you can't give to other people. So totally. that's a, that's a powerful thing. And there's a sweet spot in there that it, and it doesn't require that much money to get to the point where you can pretty much do what you want to do. Yeah. You don't have to pay a tremendous amount of taxes if you're good with your money. If you know how to invest, you know how to invest back in yourself. You don't need ridiculous. It's way less than people realize to live a life of freedom. But sometimes their expenses and their you know, wants get too big that they can't pare it down. And so often they don't need as much as they think they do. And that's what I love working people through. I'm not a great, I'm not a great teacher either. I am much more of a community builder, organizer, bringing people together but I'm not a step-by-step guy at all. I'm kind of like, just do it. It's very yeah. simple to me. It's not that difficult if you're dedicated. I, but some people are just great teachers. It's yeah. Uh, it's not. Well, building a community is important too, because one of the things I found in the, the best communities out there is that they, 
you know, yes, you've got your, your leader who may even be the teacher, but if you're more of a facilitator and, you know, like you're bringing the people together, then a lot of times you, you learn from each other too. It's, it's like, you don't necessarily just need the leader quote, the teacher or whatever to teach everything too. It's like you're, well, I mean, how many times have I said this? You go to a conference. Uh, I, I was in the wedding industry too, actually for my first main entrepreneurial business. And it was a very interesting business, but we used to go to conferences in Vegas a lot and you know, the actual keynotes and whatever they were okay, but we used to call it the hallway talk. You'd, you'd yes. meet with your fellow DJs and wedding photographers and vendors and you know, everything else that you were in the wedding industry and you would just talk to each other. And all of a sudden you realized I just learned a lot from these people just having conversations and they learned a lot from us too. That kind of stuff right there, like just connecting with other people, I was able to triple my business almost overnight and, and also income too. I raised my prices, went crazy just because of the hallway talk. So yeah, we're speaking. We literally, we say our live events, we want to be like the hallways at conferences. I don't go to the events. I don't go to the speakers very often. I, you meet everybody. I mean, think about it this way. You have your entire industry coming together. When are you going to be able to hang out with them? You're not going to be able to hang out with them while you listen to a speaker that you can go listen to their podcast anyway, or their YouTube video, go in the hallway where everybody you'd want to meet is and you can chat and there's no rush. You're not trying to get out to get home because you're staying there. So many connections for us have come from the hallways of conference, like completely. And also in terms of building a network, people don't understand this. Like, oh, it's kind of expensive to go spend, you know, $600 on a ticket and buy a flight in a hotel. When you sit down with people, like the amount of huge podcast interviews that I got on simply because I was at these events and they go, well, this person, you know, invested a couple thousand dollars and took time away from their family to be here. That's way more impressive to them than somebody that sends a DM or an email. Yeah. Like why well, this person really takes themselves seriously and takes their business seriously and takes their podcast seriously. So I'm going to really, so the connections that come from being in person like that, there's nothing like that when you have an industry related event like that. So we learned yeah. that early on, like, and my wife is awesome. She's like, we, we have a 10% rule. We're 10% we're investing back into ourselves and our growth and the money that we have. And, and it gets harder as your income goes up, but you're going to, you're going to put that money back into yourself. Cause I don't see a better return on an investment, especially from what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, you know, business sense, but also like we even said, just even in the, the return on investment on friendships and relationships that last you a lifetime, you know, and like you talked about the guy that, that passed away and all that, and the funeral was packed. And I know people who will say, well, who's going to come to my funeral when I die, you know, and you don't want to be that person. So man, I, I appreciate this. Well, I mean, we could talk forever and I would love to have you back on you know, for another conversation, but I I'm telling you though, the, the book is really, it's really fantastic from what I've read so far. And I'm really excited to finish it. And, and I say that, you know, I, I, I read a lot of business books and I'm not going to lie that I kind of got burnt out on, on a lot of, of business books or even, you know, the self-help or the encouragement kind of style because they started to become all the same and they just, they never really delivered like they said they were going to deliver. And, and I'm trying to be nice about this by saying that because, you know, uh, I got tired of it, but I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to read yours and see that. And I got into it and I just went, I'm serious by you really truly are delivering in everything that I'm reading and that's refreshing. So it's well, a, so far, it's a great book. I will finish it. I'll definitely give you my thoughts, you know, when I'm done with it and all that, just if, if you want the feedback and stuff, but oh, I love it. well, tell me all the details with that. How do we get our hands on it? Yeah. May, May 2nd is the release date. It's, you know, my dad had a huge impl- influence on everything that I've done. We had a really rocky time when I was a kid because I was a pain to be, you know, <laughs> 
to be honest, I was a lot of trouble. I didn't, I didn't follow directions well as I described, and and that's the way I was growing up. So, you know, got my dad some gray hairs, but he he had two he had two moments of impact that changed my life from advice that he gave me, and it's carried on even to this day to where. You know, his 80th birthday is May 2nd. So I said, I want to honor him and release the book on his birthday. So May nice. 2nd is the release date. And um, yeah, you can find it on our website, totalafreedom.com. You can find it on Amazon or anywhere they sell books if anybody wants to check it out. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a labor of love for me. It's something where it's not like, oh, let's try to, I'm not, I don't care about selling and making, I literally, Brian, I literally have on the cover of the book, non-best-selling author because I'm the only <laughs> one left. That's awesome. And I'm not kidding Everybody's an Amazon bestseller. They sell 18 copies at three o'clock in the morning in, in some crazy category. And then they could put that. I'm like, I don't want any of that. The only way it's going to happen is if it legitimately sells enough to be on the top of one of the top ones. But even those you buy your way onto, I don't want to be part of that game. So I'm like, how do I, how, how could I be unique about this? I'm a non bestselling author when everybody else is a bestselling author. I love and then even on, the, even on the back, we're putting, we're putting reviews from real readers. We're not, I didn't do any celebrity endorsements for this. I didn't care. They generally don't read the book anyway. They do it because they're trying to help, but they also want to put their name on a book. So I said, who are the people that are really reading the book? So they don't even know who they are, but they're going to be on the back. They've probably never been on the back cover of a book before, but they will this time. And I'll probably switch that out every couple of months to get more people's names on the book just to lift them up. So um, it's a real fun project. Um, we have a lot of things going into it afterwards, but um I just appreciate this. I love it. All right. So totallifefreedom.com. Is that what you said? We can go there. That's it. That's what's, I have a okay. podcast called Total Life Freedom Podcast. It's a daily short form show. If anybody want to check it out. Yep. And it is also excellent, by the way, too. So I, I, and I like that short bite approach and I like the daily thing. It gets you in the habit, you know? Yeah. It's the type of podcast where if you're listening now and you don't like me now, you won't like it then either. So you have to really, I'm, I'm an acquired taste. <laughs> well, we need real in this world right now. Real is good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, Positive is good, even though, but real, I mean, real can be negative, but I feel like we need that positive end result still. I mean, that's, that's my thing. I, I just, the, the positivity is needed so much right now, but real is important too. Cause there's a lot of fake out there and a lot of, um, you know, speculations and rumors constantly. Totally. totally. And, and just people trying to be something that they're not. I yeah. did a post about it the other day. It's like, I'd rather be disliked for who I am than to be liked for who I'm not. And it just because you're real doesn't mean you can't be positive, but positive sometimes is telling the truth. And you know, I wrote about it's like being generous with your honesty. It's like, yeah. I don't appreciate somebody just kind of patting me on the back. I like it when people tell me the truth, if they care about me and they say it in the gen. And I just think there's not enough of that because everybody, nobody wants to annoy anybody and nobody wants to make it be angry. But I think we've got to get tougher where it's like, we need feedback and we need real, Hey, if you're screwing up, I got my son, it'll be out of joke. It's like, you know, if I ever need a breath mint, offer it because it means I need a breath mint. Like, so if anybody, I say, well, if anybody offers you a breath mint, never turn it down. Always take it, question it later, but there's a reason why they're offering you the breath mint. Take it. I think that's very kind of <laughs> apropos to some of this stuff. Yeah. It's like if somebody cares about you and they're giving you some feedback and they care, you probably should try to listen to it. Yeah, that's so true. Oh my gosh, that's so true. I saw a, uh, a meme many years ago and, and I, I've never forgotten it, but the meme said, be yourself. It was a uh, society. They said society colon be yourself. And then society colon. No, no, no. Not like that. <laughs> uh, so true. It's, it's, or there's the other one, which is be yourself unless you're a beep, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because it's like, because I think that's such silly advice sometimes just be you. But what yeah. if you's a jerk? Yeah. 
what if what if you's just self-involved and mean? Like, do you really want to keep being you, or you want to try to improve a little bit to not be so much you and be a little bit better than you are right now? So yeah. the whole be you and and fire the haters. I, no, I don't buy that. I think we need to listen to people that have that really kind of have our best interest in mind, but will tell us the truth. And I think that's that's hard these days because nobody wants to do it. That's true. Yeah, be yourself and unleash your superhero. Yeah, do that. There you go. Otherwise, you're villain. Well, Vincent, thank you so much. I I really appreciate this. And yeah, we'll have all the the links and all that down in the show notes, description, all that good stuff. So you can go and check out Vincent's podcast, website, book, everything, go there, get it all, have some fun. But thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and joining me. You're awesome, man. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. Oh, you know what the music means. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed that. All of the links for Vincent's stuff in the show notes and in the description below on the YouTube channel, his book, check it out, grab yourself a copy. It comes out next week. So many good things. Oh my gosh. Hey, we've got a lot coming. Of course, Tuesdays, movie and TV show reviews, Thursdays, product reviews, Friday, the TRB happy hour. Make sure to come join us and have a good time, but have a wonderful day. And thank you for joining us. Real Brian show signing off. The Real Brian show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.